Welcome to Prayer in Private Parts, a podcast about sex and Jesus. I'm one of your hosts, Jill Thompson. I'm a registered psychologist and sexual health educator from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And my name is Nick Coates. I'm a minister here in Calgary. This podcast is open, honest, raw conversations, most likely conversations you have not heard in church. But we think you probably should. Each episode, we tackle a topic about spirituality and sexuality, and we see where it goes. So let's get started. Masturbation. Did that one work? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Today we're talking about masturbation, and we decided just to yell masturbation right at the beginning because... Let's just get it out of the way. Yeah. Masturbation. Masturbation. It kind of sounds like a robot. Masturbation. Masturbation. I'm excited to talk about this because you can't help but get silly. It's kind of like the penis game. Have you ever played the penis game? What's the penis game? Oh my gosh. If anybody's listening, they're probably already playing it, but you say penis, you whisper, you start by whispering penis, and then the next person has to get louder. Penis. 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 And you just get as loud as you can. What a great game. It is super fun. My youth group, my Christian youth group used to play it all the time in public places on mission trips. So. Youth group games were either extremely inappropriate, like the penis game, mm-hmm. or not inappropriate, just you would surprise me maybe, or incredibly dangerous. So dangerous. Like somebody should choke and die at playing that, the uh, the marshmallow one. Do you remember that yeah. one? Yeah. Fluffy Bunny. Oh, I hated that game. It made me so anxious that somebody was going to choke and die. But also, I made a copy of Giant Dutch Blitz for my youth group once. Do you, have you ever played Dutch Blitz? It's a, a, oh, the card game. Yeah. Yeah, I'm terrible at Dutch Blitz. Oh. We, we play it all the time with our friends, and I am always, always the loser. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm always the winner. No big deal, because <laughs> I love it, and I get dangerous. But somebody should have also died during Giant Dutch Blitz. So the penis game, also apples to apples, if you've ever played that. That gets super doty, super quick with youth group kids. I don't know what it is. And Telestrations. Have you ever played that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Also get super dirty. So church kids like to talk about penis and masturbation. So today we're going to talk about masturbation, which is touching oneself for Mm -hmm. self-pleasure. Also known as cuffing the camel, flogging the Pharisee. My jaw just dropped. (laughs) (laughs) Cuffing the camel. Okay. Cuffing the camel. What what other? We were talking about jacking off. That's one. Jillinoff. Jillinoff, which, you know, to make something for women. Um, Pocket hockey. Flicking the bean. Flicking the bean. Yeah. That one sounds uncomfortable. Um, Tickling the one-eyed monster. Oh, the one-eyed monster. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know any more? I probably do, but I'd have to go. I'm sure if we looked online, we could find out. So email us your favorite ones. Yeah. One of the things that I've heard... Or that I've noticed when we talk about masturbation, especially when we talk about slang, is all the slang goes towards more men. So kind of in that, assuming that men are the only people who masturbate and women don't masturbate. That's kind of the assumption. I think it's based off all the the, the slang slang names that we Mm -hmm. have for it. That would be, you could easily conclude that, oh, it's just a guy thing. Yeah, because there's not much for women. We like modify a male one like checking off to jill enough which as a jill actually one time i heard um you know urban dictionary mm-hmm. if you put in my name jill jill is the one you go home with at night because jill if you take your right hand it's 
spells J-I-L-L, which means you're going to, you can always go home with Jill, which is your right hand, to masturbate. Oh. There you go. <laughs> Tying my name into masturbation. Anyway, um, tell me about some of the myths that you've heard. Oh, man. Definitely the, the, the classic is you'll get hairy palms. Yeah. If you masturbate, you'll hairy yeah, palms. Yeah. And that, and that would be the thing. I remember hearing this one and, and just and connecting it to being a werewolf. Oh, ooh, that would have been cool. That would have been super dope. But that, definitely the hairy palms because it was a, that's like thing you want to hide so everyone will know. So definitely a shaming yeah. myth. Uh, one of my favorites is you can use them all up. So you, you can run out of orgasms. Mm-hmm. So don't do it or you'll have a terrible sex life as, as when you, if you couple off. Yeah. There's a really great sex in the city episode where Samantha who's the character that notoriously has a lot of sex, quote unquote, um, where she stops being able to have an orgasm because, and then Charlotte is like, Oh, you've used them all up. So that is a myth that's out there. Um, which is kind of terrifying. It's like, it is terrifying. Yeah. Just, that's it. You only get 2,723 orgasms, so you better not use them up. Yeah, people are, like, meticulously keeping count. Yeah. Oh, 18. Okay. Yeah. What are myths that you would have heard? Uh, that baby kittens will die, that it hurts Jesus' heart. Baby. Baby kittens. I should be more concerned about the baby Jesus one, but <laughs> kittens yeah. die. Yes. Or you'll go blind. Oh, the blind. Yes. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's any statistical evidence to back the blind or the palm ones up. I'm pretty sure not because I think there'd be a lot of people with hairy palms and uh, dead kittens. There's actually one of my favorite writers, just total sidebar because I'm looking at her book right now. Mary Roach is one of my favorite science writers. Yeah. And she has a book on the science of sex. Oh. Uh, and, and she's hilarious. Okay. Uh, and she does talk about, I don't know where they, what, it is, but she does talk about where they these myths come from. Mm, that would be amazing to know. And so if, if I had done my research, yeah, I would have too. that ready for you. But I should probably know some of that, talking about sex and sexuality so much. I'd more like to talk about why why this is an issue for people and what what comes up for people when we talk about masturbation. Right? I think there's yeah, it becomes this like funny thing. It's either super funny or like super taboo when we don't talk about it at all. And when we come at this from the kind of the podcast perspective of sex and Jesus and, and looking at the intersections of spirituality and sexuality, 99.9% of the time we find ourselves on the taboo, shaming, yeah. bad side of this. Yes. Yeah, I don't think I spent many Sunday mornings giggling about masturbation. It was more this taboo, icky, don't talk about it. And only men do it kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. So from coming at from your perspective that before we get into some of the other stuff, what, why talk about this? What was, why should we have a podcast about masturbation? Because then we get to you have masturbation. <laughs> obviously your neighbors can through. Um, well, because when we talk about self, we're, when we're talking about pleasure and reclaiming sexual identity and positive sexuality, I think that part of that is, self-love and self-pleasure and it's people are so afraid of that that it's not even a part of our our narrative so how can we yeah just kind of reclaim Mm -hmm. self-pleasure so it's not taboo and you don't have fear behind it yeah because it's definitely not something we 
it is something we talked about in church, but we talked about it by not talking about it. Yes. And it was one of those things in my, my experience. And I'd be curious to hear what you guys listening experienced growing up, but it would be my memories of it were all, this is almost worse than premarital sex. Mm-hmm. Like there was a huge shadow thrown over it. It was definitely a do not do. And it's something that nobody talked about or even acknowledged that it existed because it was such a, a terrible thing that we could do. Thus all the myths around it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so interesting because I'm, I, when we have these conversations, I start having flashbacks to my childhood and my experiences. And I can't help but remember yeah, it was never talked about with women. It was always talked about with boys or men and, and not with girls and women. And just when you say we're not talking about something we're talking about, I totally agree. And that messaging being that women don't do it so because we, we don't talk about it. So is that something then as a woman in church that masturbation was purely a guy thing? And so like, was the, the takeaway from that, this, this isn't even something that as a woman I should be concerned about it's it's like i think yeah and then suddenly like oh my god what is this yes i know but i would say that probably there are a lot of girls and women who were engaging in self-pleasure without connecting it to this taboo shame thing and i'm probably i mean that's more the stories i've heard but i've also heard stories from friends and women that um it became they connected that language really quickly and it became a very shameful thing that they did not talk about, but because nobody else was talking about it, it kind of re like it validated those messages to not talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. I just think about that experience between girls and boys and yeah, I just, and when I do workshops, I, I, I often start my, I have a workshop called Vulvas, Vaginas, Orgasms. Oh, my. And I start the workshop by asking women to draw penis, which is like so hilarious and funny because everybody can draw a penis. And then I ask folks to draw a vulva. And women sitting in the room, them talking about this is cis women that I'm working with at this point. Um, they can't draw a vulva. They have no idea what their own body looks like. And so... It's not even just the conversations about masturbations. It's the societal conversations about women's bodies. I think about head and shoulders, knees and toes, and we like miss everything in the middle. <laughs> like, I think with so much messaging just to like disconnect from everything from your breasts down to your vulva. And like, we, we just don't talk about those things. So that that's more. And I, I'm curious how that impacts self-pleasure how we experience being single, how we experience relationships, and then how we experience our relationship with God. I mean, not a lot of people talk about relationship with God and masturbation, but here we are. No, and I think that's, that's really helpful to, to help us um, understand the scope of what we're talking about. Because mm-hmm. when we talk about masturbation, we're not just talking about the deed of masturbating. Yeah. We're talking about how do we view our own bodies? How do we understand our bodies? Um, how does that affect our relationship with ourselves, with others, with God? Yeah. Um, and what are the the things that we as you know fans and followers of Jesus need to keep in mind um, if and when we engage in those kinds of things? Yes. And so it's that, that's really helpful to, to understand the scope of what we're talking about and, and why it's such an important thing because it's it's not just a sexual act. It's how do we as embodied creatures understand ourselves, each other, and how do those things all intertwine? Yeah. Can I ask you 
about the biblical piece. Yeah. Are you, are you cool jumping into let's, that? Let's, let's jump into it. Okay. Because I can go on and on about social constructs, and but I, I know when we're talking about sex and Jesus, I want to know where in the Bible does it talk about masturbation? Here's the thing. After spending a lot of time looking into this and reading about it, nowhere in the Bible, nowhere underlined, bolded, italicized, does it actually talk about masturbation. It's not something the writers of the Bible talked about. Mm-hmm. End podcast. Everyone go home and masturbate. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. There, that hasn't stopped us from, from saying that it's in the Bible, though. Right. Um, I'm sure if you grew up in the more conservative churches, or even maybe other churches, um, the, the one thing that always comes into our minds when we talk about masturbation in the Bible is this, the, the sin of Onan. Yes. Um, or Onanism. Um, he got his own sin. You, it's called onanism. Yeah, onanism, masturbation, also known as onanism. Oh my gosh, I had no idea. Yeah, so I it's no the. I, I remember hearing about the sin of onan or onanism mm-hmm. or or being called an onan. That oh. was like that was a big dig in youth group. Like you onan, and it was oh. just like you masturbator. But onan was how they would say it. Masturbator sounds just more. And so it's, it's, a, it's a story in Genesis 38, mm-hmm. um, and it talks about, so Judah, um, he got his eldest son, Ur, a wife named Tamar, um, but Ur died. Um, God killed him because he was evil. Um, and in that custom, in order to continue the, the lineage and foster that, that big um, nation that Abraham was supposed to father, I mean, assume, super important, that the oldest son have a child. And so the tradition was that the brothers then are required to sleep with their sister-in-law to impregnate her so she can have a child. But the thing was that child was actually going to be the eldest sons, the mm-hmm. guy who died. Right. And so this went down in this story and Judah's like, Oh, you need to go sleep with Tamar so your brother can have a kid and he can carry on the family name. Oh, and he wanted a family for himself. He's like, no, I want that kid to be my, my kid. Yeah. And so he would sleep with Tamar, but he would ejaculate on the floor. He would spill his seed, as the Bible creatively put it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because of that, um, we're told that he quit. He create, did a wicked deed and God killed him. And over time, the story has been told that because he spilled his seed on the floor, which is, I guess, often what happens when you masturbate, um, that's why God killed him. But the real issue in the story is that Onan was not following the law of giving his brother a, an heir right? and continuing that family line so this God's plans could unfold. What's interesting to that, because I, I have to think about Tamar. Like, what did Tamar do in that situation? And Yeah, and, and in typical biblical fashion, we hear nothing, nothing. about Tamar. Yeah. Tamar has no voice. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that it was called Odinism. That's super interesting to me. But also, yeah, I've definitely heard the story. And that was when we sat down and kind of talked about our plan for today. Just that was the, the only thing that I thought. I was like, oh, are we going to talk about spilling the seed? And what does that mean? But so how did, how do you think that that, how did we get from that to don't masturbate? Well, I think, I think we saw that, you know, God killed him. And right. if. Like, if God kills anyone, that, that's a, like, why would God do that? And, yeah. and, you know, forget the questions of, you know, why would a loving God do that? And 
wrestling with those questions, which Mm -hmm. I think you should. (laughs) We got caught up in the fact that, oh, if God kills someone, that's going to be a big deal. Mm -hmm. And so anything to do with not using your semen to procreate must be evil. And therefore, we should not do it. And so you can go with the the more Puritan lines of thought or the more modest um, modesty cultures, purity cultures, mm-hmm. and this just easily connects with that. Yeah. And so anything that is not for the sake of producing a kid is evil yeah. and bad. And God's not cool with it. Cause look what happened to this dude 2000 years ago. Yeah. And where I struggle with that is like thinking about science and wet dreams. Yeah. That must've, that must be terrifying. If that is how one kind of interprets that passage and that Bible verse is like, I will die if I waste my semen. Yeah. I scientifically boys will have wet dreams as part of puberty and that's healthy and normal. And throw into that also that if, you know, people are trying to have a baby and they don't conceive the first try, like, Oh, are they being wicked and evil as well? Cause it didn't work mm-hmm. the first time. Yeah. And so there's so many problems with, extrapolating this story the way it has been that I, I want to almost just really encourage people to like, let's just leave it. Yeah. Cause in reality, the story has nothing to do with sexuality and sex and masturbation it has solely to do with, you know, this custom of continuing the family line and yeah. let's, let's just leave it there because it just becomes way too problematic to say, if you don't have a kid, if you don't produce with this seed, like then it's evil. Yeah. Because for wet dreams, all those things just like doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And we, yeah. When and we, that's not why the story was told. No. Let's get, I want to come back to that too when we talk about fertility. I know that's one topic we're going to talk about in infertility. And yeah, I feel like that one would tie into that conversation as well. Um, any other Bible verses? I think the one we have to talk about. Yeah. And this, this is a really delicate one that we have to be careful with how we hold. Because like Genesis and Onan, it's been used for in all kinds of really shitty ways. Yeah. Um, but as Christians and people are looking to Jesus as a way to follow, now this one came out of his mouth, so we, we can't ignore it. Um, but we do need to wrestle with it. And it's from Matthew 5, which is a sermon on the mount. That sermon that Jesus gave about the kingdom and what it means to be a part of what God is doing in in this world and how can we have our lives changed to be a part of of that restoration and repair of the universe. And so Jesus says, you have heard it said, um, you shall not commit adultery. So he's quoting some Old Testament verses, um, but now he's going to update it. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Yeah, that one gets... What's, what's that one do for you? When, what does it evoke? I think because it's being used against me personally and then against people I love and care for and then clients I've worked with as well to really like shame and silence folks. I react to it and yeah, it's hard because it's so... Um, it's what Jesus is saying, right? And I mean, how can you argue with Jesus? It's, right. Yeah. Well, Jesus, well, Jesus said it. And I mean, that's one reason I went to Bible college was just because I was so tired of people telling me that Jesus said it. Um, cause I wanted to say, well, what else did Jesus say? Yeah. I think that one, 
evokes a lot of emotion. Um, so tell me more about what you've experienced in your work of people who come with this passage um, in tow. What, what some of the damage has done? Because where I want us to go is I think there's a different way to hear it. Yeah. Than than we often get heard, but hearing the, the real stories of the damage is done can, can be a good way to open up that door. Yeah. I think it ties a lot into our last conversation that we had about purity and we'll probably tie into some of our other conversations about porn. So those are the two things I see that come up. So when it's male identified, it's about pornography and addiction. So it's just a very black and white, don't do this and very confusing messages of once you look at somebody then you've committed sin and that being a really hard thing to diagonal to reconcile, I guess. And then for women, the messaging very much don't even give somebody reason to sin. Don't tempt them. So it goes to that modesty purity culture that we talked about. Um, Yeah. So, and I I talked a lot about why that's harmful, the modesty piece. Um, Yeah. I, I, I think there's lots of problems with that and how do we how do we kind of have conversations about sex and masturbation and relationship where it doesn't feel so black and white because how awful is that that you walk into the world like wow that woman's beautiful ah damn it I gotta go back inside and just like it feels it feels impossible that's how it feels to me um and not that we shouldn't be striving to be better humans, but I'm not sure if that's a helpful way because everybody defines less differently. We all look at people differently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It gets a bit complicated. Yeah. So, so, so if I'm hearing you, mm-hmm. part of how this verse has been used is to to control how women dress and act and yes. speak and the whole, like, don't make a brother stumble. Yes. Kind of thing. So don't, don't make me commit lust. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Totally. Totally. And I think I, I'm down with you and I've heard those sermons and have, have friends who have been told to go put clothes on mm-hmm. because their cleavage is too big or, or whatever. They've got complaints from the boys. Yeah. But I think if, if, if Jesus was here, that's always a fun thing to imagine. Isn't um, it? <laughs> but I think what he's getting at is more, we have to be careful what's when we what's going on inside our own heads, inside our own hearts. So I think he's really calling us out to be responsible for the thoughts that we have. Mm-hmm. And so when we're talking about masturbation, this text comes up and I think it's important because it, it cautions us to pay attention to what's going on in, in your head and your heart when you're masturbating. Mm-hmm. And I think the the point he's trying to make is are you objectifying someone? Mm-hmm. Are you through how you are thinking? Are you taking away their inherent worth and dignity and treating them as a means to an end? Yeah. Are you possessing them? Are you coveting them? Are you being greedy with them? Mm-hmm. And I think it's a really helpful verse to bring up when we talk about this kind of thing, because it's a way for us to, to ask, do, does, does masturbation get in the way of relationship with God, mm-hmm. with yourself? with each other yes and as with anything that we do in life that's the question that we have to to ask and coming at this from the spiritual perspective that's one of the questions i'd want to throw on the table is you know what do we have to consider in a, with masturbation and a relationship to god each other 
and ourselves. Mm-hmm. And at what point, or does it become harmful to one of those three things? Yeah. And I would argue that those traditional ways of approaching that scripture by saying, hey, men, you're super helpless. You have no control. Um, really kind of, it puts a lot of worth into how women look, which I get, I think it kind of self-defeats, right? Mm-hmm. We're saying like, you're not, you're worth more than what you look like. But then we're saying everything that you're worth is in what you look like to women, especially. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that I would argue that the traditional way that that scripture is used actually does more harm and actually just is exactly the same thing by focusing on physicality, women's, pre- not just women, but how people present themselves. Um, yeah. So I would argue that. And I think that does get in the way of self-love. If I feel like my, all my worth is in how my body looks and how I, yeah, that is exhausting. And I can speak from experience with that in terms of, yeah, if you, everything's in my worth is just physical, I'll, I'll never feel worth worthwhile, which impacts how I show up to myself, how I show up to my relationships, whether they're sexual or not, mm-hmm. and how I show up with God. Yeah. Well, let's look, let's go there because I think I think it's clear as, as clear as you can be that with the Bible, there's nothing prohibiting masturbation. There's nothing mm-hmm. saying anything about it. And this text from Jesus it's, has more to do with lust, um, and less of, and more to do with what's going on in your head and how to be responsible for your own actions and your own thoughts and what mm-hmm. you do with those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but another part of masturbation that we have to talk about from both a sexual and a spiritual perspective is self-love. Yeah. Because it's all throughout our scripture. It's, you know, love yourself and you are worthy of being loved and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. And so can you share a bit about how we can, what the term self-love means and the different ways we can kind of hold it? Yeah. I'm like, Ooh, that's a good question. That's a whole other podcast. Actually, there's a lot of folks doing amazing podcasts about self-love. Um, Self-love for me is that challenging those unhelpful narratives, whether they're spiritual and scripture, whether they're family, friends, past relationships, things that we've experienced, um, challenging the narrative that says you're not worthy and you're unlovable and challenging that and saying, no, I, I am worthy and I am lovable and I can take up space. I can be I can be who I want to be regardless of all these things happening around me. So I think that's self-love and self-love is having boundaries and love boundaries. So learning to identify your own feelings, not somebody else's, not the church's, not your partner. Um, So identifying your feelings and learning how to express them, having boundaries and then taking space for yourself. Right. And so I think that's where masturbation. Yeah. So yeah, take us there. Yeah. Because, I think that masturbation can be a really healthy part of self-love. It can help us discover our bodies. I have a meditation that I do, and maybe I can post it somewhere that people can read it. But uh, it's a meditation that I lead women through when I do my workshops. And I talk about every inch of the body, like taking a moment to honor your, not just your head and your arms and your hands and your feet, but also your breasts and your nipples and the rolls in your stomach and your vulva and the labia and all of this 
And so I think self-love includes, yeah, self-massage, which I mean, even masturbation doesn't always have to be for the goal of an orgasm. And we talked about that a few episodes ago that sex is so much more than just an orgasm or, you know, penetrative sex, but you can be really intimate with yourself and show yourself self-love that includes your whole body, not just everything from your head to your toes, but everything in between. So it maybe it's like a self breast massage. Maybe it's, maybe it is masturbation to the point of orgasm. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be. No, it doesn't have to be. But I think it, when we put it so far out, I think it, it, it's not black. It should, it could be part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Something's resonating with you. I can see. No, I think it's just, yeah. that's, that's just, that's when we're talking, we, when I think about what I've been taught about self-love and masturbation, it's mm-hmm. all, always the very small, like, oh, it's about playing with yourself to the point of orgasm. Mm-hmm. And that was certainly sex ed. That was certainly in the church teachings. That wasn't everything. Yeah. But I like, I like that idea of claiming it as self-love. Yeah. Um, and we'll certainly talk about like, where's the line of it becoming harmful later on. But, yeah, for sure. But claiming it as something, no, it's not just about, achieving orgasm but it's about honoring your body mm-hmm. it's about loving how, who you are about getting not necessarily sexually but just like turned on by like who you are yeah and like no i am good i am enough yeah um and i'm lovable even by me and that's such a, a really like uberly challenging thing to do but a really beautiful so thing to do is to practice that that meditation of no i'm good i'm beautiful i love who i am Mm-hmm. I love what I'm becoming mm-hmm. and just spending time with yourself in that, in that love. Yeah. And also what's amazing is when you start to learn how to catch yourself and feel your body and notice your differences, honestly, that can help medically too. Like women don't touch their own breasts. It becomes a taboo thing. And sometimes women miss things that are happening. Um, so maybe like a block duct uh, or a lump or bumps mm-hmm. or things that, we should know in our bodies. And I know that a lot of men will identify um, not even touching their own like scrotum or testicles because, you know, that's just for some reason that's more taboo than touching the penis. But when people do engage in some more of that, they're like, oh, I, I wouldn't have caught this bump down here. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it becomes also just like a practicality thing of noticing your body, noticing the changes. And that's part of self-love too. We talk about self-care being like bubble baths and massages, but self-care is also, there's a hashtag, you can look it up, um, boring self-care, hashtag boring self-care, because it's also going to the dentist, going to the doctor, making your bed when you have company, (laughs) that kind of thing. But self-love is also that boring self-care of noticing your body and the changes so that you can actually inform your healthcare providers. Like, hey, I've noticed this like discharge that's been happening is this healthy and normal for me um so yeah it's not it's not just about orgasm and masturbation but also it could be about orgasm and, and it can feel i think it's what good. everyone wants us to yeah. talk about so that's, i think and not to belittle that other stuff because yeah, i think yeah. those are that's really even just for me right now that's a good reminder of like yeah that is true and you notice lumps and bumps and you just mm. know it's off but moving more sexually yeah um let's talk a bit about the what does healthy sexual self-love look like and and why why should we 
leave room in our minds and hearts for for that. Well, orgasms can feel amazing. So that's one thing. Newsflash. <laughs> and um, I think, yeah, I think they can feel really great. They can be really relaxing. They can send lots of really happy signals to your brain and... Like, yeah, really so stress, depression, anxiety totally. reducing. Yeah. For sure. Connect you to your body and kind and just, yeah, it's relaxing. It can be great. It can be really fun. A great way to spend a, some time with yourself, but also like, and this isn't the purpose. I would never sit, like emphasize this, but it can be helpful that you can then communicate to partners too what you like. So if it, if masturbation can be very much for yourself, um, and it should be and could be, but it also can inform how what you bring to your partner. Like, hey, I don't like that much pressure. I like it like this. And I know, and I think that can be really helpful. So that could be just, that could be a really good way to what's your, your barometer of what feels good, what doesn't. Yeah. And so when you want to go into a healthy, communicative, sens- consensual relationship. Yeah. It's your, your act. You actually come into it equipped with some information to share of like, no, I don't yeah. like that. I do like this. Yeah. That's not cool. Don't touch there. Totally. And so you can actually have a much more healthy sexual boundaries with your partner. Mm-hmm. And it even, yeah, it just helps with so many different things. And even noticing like, oh, at this time of the month, my, my breasts really hurt. And I've noticed that it doesn't feel good for me. So don't touch me there during these next three days kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, because you come into it equipped with, because I think part of the, the, the thing we struggle with in, in Christian circles, too, is who owns our body. Yeah. And women especially receive the the narrative of, of like, oh, no, your, your body belongs to your husbands mm-hmm. or your partners. And this is practicing this kind of self-love and self-care can be a really good way of, of combating that narrative and being like, no, this body's mine. Mm-hmm. And I want to share it with you. I want to, I want to experience this with you. Mm-hmm. But we can actually be like, no, don't touch that. I know you want to, or I know you want to do this, but that's that's where I draw the line. Yeah. Because this is my body. I own it. Yeah. And that can be a really important step in, in having that healthy relationship. I think it honestly can honor God, too, in our relationships with God if we honor our own body, which is really talked about in church world. Like, honor your body to honor God, but in kind of a really unhelpful way, like I talked about earlier with Actually, it's pretty much saying the same thing that's unhelpful that you, you know, you have to dress a certain way. But I think that having a really healthy relationship with yourself can impact your relationship with God. Yeah. Well, and, and one of the ways we, we're, we're, we're told we can honor God is through loving ourselves mm-hmm. and through caring for this, this, this body that we've been given. Yeah. Um, whatever it's shaped and ability. Mm-hmm. And a, a really great way of, of worshiping God, if you want to use that phrase, is is loving it and looking after it and owning it and protecting it. Yes. Um, and that's that's the best way you can do that. Yeah. Um, instead I of throwing it away at someone or, or being letting it be used as a, a welcome mat, it's like this is my body. Yeah. And one way that I can I can honor God and honor that relationship is through protecting it and owning it. Yeah. Yeah, I love what you just said. That really resonates with me in terms of our whole body isn't just like the physical piece. It's also our thoughts and what's going mm-hmm. on in our heart and our soul. And and yeah, and it's, I just love what you just said. That was great. Well, let's go, let's, let's go down that road because mm-hmm. I think one of the tensions, I think this goes back to the lust thing is, okay. is when we engage 
if we engage in masturbation, is there a line where we have to be that we have to be cautious of in terms of this healthy practice becoming unhealthy or this positive becoming destructive? Depends on how many numbers you're born with. Let's just <laughs> that is a myth. I won't joke about that. Um, yeah, I would say that we, and we're going to talk about porn and addiction, but that's one of the things that will come up here is like, how much is too much? Am I addicted? What if I become addicted? Like, what if I go down this masturbation, like rabbit hole and never come back? Um, just like anything, if it's if something that's preventing you from like leaving the house and getting your life done, like taking the kids out or um, going to school or going to work, if those things aren't getting done, there might be something getting in the way, right? Um, that might become unhealthy. If it's stopping you from engaging with others and having a healthy relationship with others in terms of consent, consensual relationships, listening to the other person when you're having sex with somebody else, that can be really unhelpful. Uh, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think I'd go back to that, that a really good checking question is, you know, does this get in, in my, in the way of having loving and creative relationships with God, each other and ourselves. Yeah. And if your practices in masturbation, but anything mm. become destructive to those things, uh, that's when I'd be like, I think you should talk to someone about this or go, whether that's a therapist or a friend or yeah. if your pastor is safe. Yeah. Them. Um, but engage in those questions. Cause if the, our ultimate call in life is to, is to love others and love God and love creation and love ourselves. Mm-hmm. And if, these practices are getting in the way of that. If we become too insular. Yeah. If our masturbation practices don't let us engage in anything that our partners wants us to do, like you need to check that out. Yeah. Exactly. Um, if, yeah, you don't leave the house. If, if this is stopping you from being in any kind of relationship, mm-hmm. um, if this is shaming, mm-hmm. if you deal with shame after every single time, like you need to talk to someone about that. Yeah. I would because anything, anything shaming, I'll say this till I die, it does not come from God. Yeah. Um, and so you need to stop maybe and just and t- have some distance and, and think about why is this shame here and, and wrestle with that and, and hopefully get some counseling to you to help you navigate through that. Yeah. And, and discover like where did those messages come from? And that's so much of what we will talk about and reiterate every podcast, I'm sure, but just is this an informed decision? Is this something that resonates with me? Does this fit with my values? And sure, if masturbation to like a certain extent doesn't fit your values and prevents you from connecting with others, talk about that, right? Um, but if it becomes, a yeah, that shaming black and white, yes, no, I'm not sure that's helpful and, and can actually probably create more distance mm-hmm. with yourself, your body and your relationships. Yeah. Yeah. So when you talk about that interpretation of the the lust scripture, I like what you said earlier, um, that there's kind of a different way to interpret it. So how would you, how would you interpret it so that it could be helpful and not shaming? Oh, good question. I I think, I think ultimately what Jesus is saying here is we have to be responsible for what goes on in our own heads and hearts. Mm Mm-hmm. And if that something going on there is taking away someone's worth and dignity and objectifying them, um, we need to 
check that because ultimately we're supposed to be uplifting and edifying and respectful and honoring. Mm-hmm. And then I want to have a conversation with someone if, if there, if that brings shame of like, let's have a talk about the difference between guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. Cause guilt is I did something bad and shame is I am bad. Yeah. And that's such a perfect distinction, but one we so often miss. Mm-hmm. And if, yeah, if, if you, if you feel like, Oh, I committed that sin, like, okay, cool. That's sure. I'm, I can get down with that. Mm-hmm. But you swing to I, I'm I'm saying I'm terrible. I'm a bad person. Yeah. I'm like, well, let's let's maybe leave some room for some grace there and some love um, and hope of like, hey, cool. So let's maybe move you more towards guilt mm-hmm. and let's take a step back. And how how do you wish you did act? Yeah. And what can we do to in that moment you feel those thoughts coming in? How can you check those? Mm-hmm. And what can you do to teach yourself new habits and new thought patterns and new narratives that that keep you thinking healthy, constructive, beautiful thoughts. Yeah. And that's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. It's a tremendous amount of work. And I like ask for help. Yeah. I think one of the conversations this, this should, I hope foster in some people is let's take a stigma away from masturbation and Mm -hmm. everything around it because it can lead us into some pretty dark and confined spaces. Yes. Um, but and the only way we'll get out of those spaces where guilt and shame and darkness live is through talking about it Yeah, and having someone being like, dude, yeah, me too. But here, here's this practice that I do that has helped me out. Yeah. And like, oh, I do that too. And it's not that crazy. And mm-hmm. we can find a bit more space in there to, to live. So let's, I'd, I'd encourage people to talk about it. Yeah. Let's name it. Yeah. And too. let's, let's <laughs> encourage each other to, to name something that's pretty universal. Yeah. Um, and just bring it up into the air. Yeah. I think once we name something, and I know Brené Brown does amazing work on this in terms of vulnerability, but we name something, it takes away the shame and it connects us to each other. And I think that that is very biblical. Uh, yeah. You have said that we're meant to be in relationship and that's, we're not just talking about sex and sexuality relationships, but relationship and community. Yeah. Yeah, And community for sure. And so naming things, talking about it, because often the shaming messages just isolate us so much. And that's what people think of when they think of masturbation, unfortunately, and church is this like isolating shame place. And I think of like, when you said, Oh, talk to a friend. It's very different when we talk to a friend, like, Hey, this, I have these messages. Here's how it's unhelpful for me. Mm -hmm. And what comes up for me, that's very different than having a friend that will be your uh, hashtag that wasn't existing when this came up for me, but the accountability, right? And like covenant eyes, you can Google that if you want. Um, And maybe those things have been really helpful for people, but I would say more often than not, they probably have put distance between people and themselves and others and Mm -hmm. God. And so just noting that difference between vulnerability and talking about it and naming it yeah agreed did we do a good job talking about masturbation did masturbation masturbation, masturbation. <laughs> i think so there, there's there's so many there's so much more we could, we could talk to because i think like mm-hmm. looking at my notes it's this is also an issue because in so many christian traditions the goal is marriage yeah um, and if the goal is marriage and sex also lives in marriage, so what do the people who don't end up in committed mm-hmm. relationships do? Yeah. 
um, what sexuality look like for them? What does it look like for a widow and widowers? Mm-hmm. Um, so so if, if you guys out there listening, find yourself in those camps. Um, I think we, we, we talked about masturbation enough where you can extrapolate some, some lessons for that. Yeah. Uh, but also email us if you guys have questions about masturbation and, or if, if there's a scripture passage that you think is related to this, email us. Yeah. And we'd, we'd love to, we'd love to talk about it and hear about your stories. Because the thing about sex and Jesus is we have a embodied faith. We have a lived out spirituality. Yeah. And so the stuff that we're talking about is all well and good up in the sky in their heads, but when we try to live it out yes. as sexual human beings, you know, we need to talk about it where the rubber meets the road. Yeah. And so if you have an experience or a context that is different than ours, um, the conversation needs to be a bit different. And because you bring in different realities. So we'd love to hear from you and, and have this conversation continue to expand and get more complex and complicated as we talk about, you know, prayer and private parts and, yeah. and what does sexuality and spirituality look like? Yeah, most definitely. And I think that this will, will come back to this in so many different topics. And so I would love to have questions that we can integrate as we talk about, I mean, we're going to talk about porn and we're going to talk about porn addiction at some point, which definitely there's some overlap here. And so, yeah, any of those questions or comments or, hey, what about this scripture would be so great for us to kind of wrestle through. Yeah. Because it is, it's, it's a wrestling through, right? And that's... Totally. And we're just going to struggle well through it all. Yeah. Um, so again, you can email us at prayerandprivateparts at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, so... Hopefully you can have some great conversations with loved ones over your dinner. About bring up masturbation bring tonight at dinner and see what so, happens. Masturbation. <laughs> well, everyone, thank you so much for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Sounds good. Hey, thank you so much for listening to Prayer and Private Parts, a podcast about sex and Jesus. If you liked what you heard and you want to hear more, head to soundcloud.com slash prayer and private parts for more episodes. And if you have some questions, if you have some requests, email us. You can reach me and Jillian at prayerandprivateparts at gmail.com. But thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Please note that while these conversations are just conversations between us, they do not replace any serious psychological or even theological advice. And that if you find yourself triggered in one of our episodes, please know that you can find help in your area. If you don't know of any of those places that are safe for you to access in terms of a distress center or a church that's safe and affirming, we can try and help you find that and you can email us.